Hello, everyone. We're glad you found us, and welcome to our podcast at antiqueauctionforum.com. We hope you find this show entertaining and informative. Hi, this is Martin Willis, and I'm here at the eBay campus for session two with eBay. I'm here in the radio room with Griff. How are you doing, Griff? I'm, I'm doing well. Good to see you again. Nice to see you. Actually, this is just the second session. We just we finished the first session. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's just pretend a whole lifetime happened. Okay, yeah. No, anyway, thank you for, for joining us. It's been uh, very informational. Last, we were talking, we were talking about the shipping and obviously um, that is not going to be a structured thing like the rumor is that's been going around. Well, so look at it. I can't tell you what's down the... I know there's nothing planned that yes. way, but I think it's important to keep in mind that the Internet, as we've seen over the last 10 years, changes. and especially it changes every year. Yeah. So market forces determine you know, which direction e-commerce goes, and that's all determined by buyers. Yeah. Okay, speaking of changes, what... It seems like the first of the year, something always changes in eBay. Do you have, can you announce any type of changes that are coming up? I can't because there's a schedule for those. <laughs> okay. but, um, so I give hints all the time. All right, let's have a couple They're hints. very subtle. You, yeah. you listen to the eBay radio show. Um, we had a hint yesterday. The hint was somebody asked me a question when the next town hall would be. So town halls are usually... Uh, we usually have them uh, right at the time we do what we call now a seller release. Now, do you mean like people meet in a place? And- well, we use the eBay radio platform, okay. and they actually move to another room where there's a, 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 a kind of a panel discussion with a group of uh, people from across different teams that are huh. involved in things that affect sellers. Oh, that sounds fun. Yeah, they're very good. And they're 90 minutes, no commercials, uh, and it's all call-ins and discussions about uh, things that had just been announced. So if I say there's going to be a town hall sometime in the first month or two of 2011, then you know there's probably you, it, I would not disabuse you of the notion of thinking that there might be a seller release planned. Uh-huh. It could be. Yeah, <laughs> that's as much as I can tell you. Yeah, yeah. I think you got the hint. <laughs> I'm sure with every single change. There's, uh, you know, because people inherently do not like any type of change. No, they don't. Yeah. Has eBay made a change that they regret? A major change? Yeah, just a change that they they thought like, well, afterwards, well, that probably wasn't such a good idea. But of course, they have to stick with whatever changes come along. Yeah, there was this. There was one big change. It wasn't actually. I mean, in the scheme of things, it wasn't big, but it was a change that I think a lot of us, myself included, could not find the logic top to bottom uh, no matter how hard we looked. And it was back in 2008 where a change was made based on some research that actually proved to be correct but unsellable. Uh-huh. And here was the change. The, the research showed that when a buyer at that particular time left a neutral, when polled, the experience they had had was usually just as bad as somebody who left a negative. Mm-hmm. So the decision was made by that team to weight net neutrals the same way that negatives were being weighted when uh-huh. determining a seller's status. I see. Now, the problem with that was, okay, I, and I remember that when this came up, I could see the, 
storm clouds on the horizon. Actually, they weren't even on the horizon. They were directly overhead. I said, there's no way to sell this. You can't sell this logically. I don't care what the research says, but um, we've got a system that says negative, positive, neutral in the middle. Neutral means neutral. Whether If our research mm-hmm. shows that neutral doesn't mean neutral, then get rid of neutrals. But we can't weight them the same. This will never sell. And sure. it didn't. And yeah. it turned out to be an enormous bone of contention that year, which was um, exhibited in several uh, uh, occasions during our eBay Live event in Chicago. And I think it took that as the final kind of piece of evidence that some of our executives needed to see and say, mm-hmm. you know what, I guess that really isn't going to ever sell. And of course, people like myself saying, yeah, I've been trying to tell you that for the last six months, but I guess you have to learn at your own pace. So I'm a ta- I take no credit. I think it was eBay sellers who finally got the message across. But uh, shortly after that, that was reversed. And can eBay sellers get the message across easily? Yes, it depends on what the message is. Mm -hmm. So, for example, there have been instances in the past, and I'll give you one of them. Here's here's a conundrum. It's been now almost three years since we announced that sellers can't leave buyers negatives. Mm -hmm. It's still an issue. Mm -hmm. It's not anywhere near the size of an issue it was. A lot of buyers, a lot of sellers have realized, yes, I didn't know, I didn't agree with this at first, and I now understand that in business I have to go the extra mile to make the buyer happy. The buyer has no obligation to make me happy, they just have to pay. And that's resulted in a better business practice, uh, a better business situation for those sellers. There's still a lot of consumer based sellers primarily, but not just. There's some small business sellers as well who would love to have that option back and who ask us for it all the time. Mm-hmm. It's, pro- it's, you know, I'd say 100%. I'll, I never like to be that black and white. Chances are less than 0.5% that would ever happen. Mm-hmm. It's just simply is too bad experience overall. Mm-hmm. But it points out the need to deal with situations where on one side the seller isn't quite could probably benefit from a little bit more business education about the, the true nature of a transaction in any marketplace, but also those cases where there may be buyers who are taking advantage of sellers. So this year, one of the things that popped up was the, the creation of an actually dedicated team called the Buyer Abuse Team, which we announced in September some changes to um, uh, the feedback program that are actually seller-focused, not buyer-focused. And that was that uh, buyers uh, starting in October, uh, not just now in place, cannot use the threat of negative feedback when, when corresponding with a seller uh, for things like, uh, if you don't give me a partial refund, I'll, I, I may have to leave you a negative feedback, even mm-hmm. if it's worded like that. That's now, that's now a violation of policy. Hmm. Um, that'll get stronger as time goes on. Well, that's good. Yeah. Um, one of the things I, from experience on eBay, that I have felt before, when someone had done me wrong, I was afraid to leave them negative feedback because I didn't want to get negative feedback. As a buyer, as a buyer or a seller, um, either way, I can't remember the specifics, but I always thought the retaliation part of feedback. Um, there's there's a lot of wackos out there. Let's face it, and there's a lot of people that do not think in a balanced way. Yes, and, true. Um, they can. I don't think there's a lot. I think there's a segment. I don't want to <laughs> yeah. color everyone's yeah, world. Yeah. Say, the world is a terrible place. No, yeah. But there's a percentage. This small percentage. It's small, but yeah. very. But they're there. A very visible percentage to many sellers. Yeah. 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 And uh, you know, I have a good friend that has uh, something like fourteen thousand positive feedbacks. 
His only negative feedback was for someone that never contacted him and said there was an issue. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so in that way, in that regards, the feedback system sometimes is a little little tough. And it must be one of the hard hard places um, well, think to about deal it. with. It is, I mean, the, the, the ongoing tension and challenge will always be as a manager of a marketplace. And that's what eBay does. eBay manages this marketplace between buyers and sellers. And to some extent, it's a, man, it's a marketplace that over time we have to, by the nature of the marketplace itself, manage a little bit more uh, fully than when it was first built. But in a case like this where the reputation system is such an important part of eBay when people are trying to determine should I buy from a person, it's all subjective. It always has been. And when you're dealing with subjectivity, one person's bad ex- one person's good experience is another person's can be another person's bad experience. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, we, we get people who say, for example, uh, this person I think left me a low rating. It's never, you can never be absolutely sure unless you sell a very low volume. Uh, and they agreed to my terms and when they bid or bid on or bought my item, why did they get to rate me? And I said, well, think about it for a minute. They may not have known what the experience is going to be like. Just because they agree to your terms doesn't mean they get don't get to tell you or the rest of the world what they think about those terms. And that's an ongoing that's an ongoing sense of, of uh, tension. But that subjectivity will always be a part of any rating system. It's finding the areas where we can remove it. That's eBay's responsibility. Now, when you say remove it, well, I'll give you an exa- two examples that happened this year. Finally, if you offer free shipping. Mm-hmm. Should a buyer be able to rate you for the shipping cost? No. No. <laughs> Seems pretty obvious. Yeah. It was pretty obvious to us, but there was no mechanism in place at the time that the rating system was uh, enhanced with what were, we call detailed seller ratings, those stars, mm-hmm. for us to actually know with any certainty whether or not somebody charged for shipping or not. Once we were able to do that based on our checkout flow, because we uh, our checkout flow was rather primitive, and... Um, we couldn't pull data from it to determine did someone sneak in a shipping charge as a uh, called out shipping charge when they had offered free shipping. Today, if you offer free shipping, it says free shipping, and there's no shipping charge. You may have actually put the shipping charge in the shipping cost. That's and in the item cost. That's fine. Mm-hmm. If you've offered free shipping today, the the buyer can't rate you when they go mm-hmm. to rate you. If they go to leave you a feedback and they do leave the feedback, you get an automatic five stars. Mm-hmm. So that was the first thing. Mm-hmm. The next sub place we could t- uh, t- uh, eventually tackle was shipping time. Mm-hmm. So we can tell now from uploading tracking and uh, uh, whether or not you uh, have stated your shipping terms uh, uh, and followed them, the mm-hmm. ones that you stated. So if you for today, if you offer one-day handling and you ship uh, by an expedited service or the item gets there within three to four days, and we can tell this, you can't, based on the scan or the delivery confirmation, the buyer can't rate you. When they go to rate you for delivery time, it says, no, it's automatic five stars because they, we already know that the item arrived within the time stated by the seller, so they can't rate you. Okay, and if they don't? If, if they, they don't, don't ship in that certain amount? If they don't, then the buyer can rate you. And I they see. could still rate you a five, but they could also rate you a one. I see. I see. So, and that must be done through PayPal. Uh, the so the shipping time no the shipping time is just you have to upload tracking it doesn't matter where oh, you buy your labels uh-huh. the shipping uh, the shipping the free ship no I, neither of these it doesn't matter at all with either of these if it's PayPal because it's not contingent upon received payment 
Mm-hmm. So uh, free shipping. If you say free shipping, uh, you get five stars automatically. And if you deliver within the time that you stated, if your stated time is one day delivery, one day handling, and you're using one of the expedited services, which are priority or first class or overnight or express, and it gets there within three or four days, you're fine. All right. I know that people have tried to do this, and I just don't know if it's possible. Sure. If someone has a a negative feedback left for them and it was unfounded, can that negative feedback be removed by eBay? Only under very specific criteria, Uh which are stated on the site. So um, a lot of sellers, I think, think that, well, this is a lie. the, The buyer has said something that isn't true, so I can get it removed. And feedback is never removed on the basis of the veracity of the comment. There's no way for us to verify. We would never do that. We'd have to, if we were to make that a criteria, we'd have to do it for every single uh, feedback left, yeah. and that becomes unworkable. So yeah. it's never actually been a criteria. But there are on the site specific criteria uh, that eBay will remove a, a feedback. Um, and I can't remember them all right now, but there are things like if they contain profanity or vulgarity, if they talk about a official law enforcement case or if they allude to this this buyer or seller is being investigated by my police officers uh, or the FBI, that, that can get removed. If a seller or a, in the old days, a buyer or seller came to eBay with a court order and said you have to remove that, we removed it. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you... Uh, there was an added criteria recently, which is if, if, if your feedback mentions is from an international customer or any customer that mentions uh, they had to pay customs duties, they had to pay VAT, the item was held up in customs. Anything that talks about the customs boundary or mm-hmm. gateway, and your listing said uh, that there had contained the text that eBay provides that says, uh, uh, you know, the buyer is responsible for all customs duties. If that's a negative feedback, we'll remove it. Mm-hmm. Um, if we there's there's some other criteria as well. You have to look at them on the site. Okay. You were talking about PayPal earlier, or PayPal. One of us talked about PayPal. Sure. Um, can you talk about PayPal? A little bit. I'm, I, I know. Yeah. I, I guess I know more than I think I do, but not everything. Yeah. PayPal started in the late '90s, and eBay bought them. Yes, in 2002. 2002. Okay. There's a lot of people that write me complaining about PayPal in certain circumstances. Sure. They think it's one-sided. Um, and from what I hear is if there's some type of dispute, money can be frozen and... It can be taken out, yeah. can be taken out mm-hmm. or of someone's account. Where does PayPal step in to protect the consumer, the buyer, and the seller? Where does PayPal step in on this? So uh, PayPal is a separate entity. It's ver- not very much different than any, like a credit card issuer. So if you were a... If you were a consumer using PayPal, it's basically the same protections you'd have with your credit card. If you're a merchant using PayPal, it's basically the same responsibilities that you'd have if you were using a credit card company like Visa or MasterCard to accept payments from your customers. Um, they're pretty much mirrored now. They weren't initially. So that in, in with, a pay, with a credit card dispute, mm-hmm. uh, with Visa, MasterCard, Discover, American Express, the merchant um, in a situation like that tends to, is going to lose. Is, you know, they'll get a charge back or something else. Um, on PayPal, the big difference is that if you follow, when it comes to chargebacks at least, there's a little bit added layer of protection that if, if you're uh, selling on eBay at least, uh, and you follow some specific steps, then you can be protected against cases where it's a chargeback that's dubious or fraudulent. And PayPal has more information about this on their site. Mm-hmm. Um, 
It, and there's some uh, ongoing seller confusion about this, which this is an opportunity maybe to just uh, kind of clear sure. that up. Yeah. In the old days, and I mean this was maybe five, three or four years ago and, and earlier, uh, one of the the biggest criteria for benefiting from the PayPal seller protection against fraudulent, nefarious use of another person's you know card and ends up in a chargeback would be that you had to ship only to confirmed addresses. And a confirmed address in PayPal at the time, oh, yes. mm-hmm. there were two different types of address, confirmed and unconfirmed. I think where we did a pretty bad job of actually marketing and promoting is there was a time about three or four years ago where all the addresses in PayPal are now considered confirmed. So if PayPal gives you an address and says this is the place to ship the item to this buyer, it's confirmed. It's already been confirmed. Mm-hmm. So the idea that something is unconfirmed or confirmed now doesn't make any difference. If, it's, if you're shipping to the address that's in PayPal, you're covered by seller protection. I see. Yeah. And seller protection. Seller protection is against fraudulent chargebacks, which in the merchant or retail world, both on and offline, is a merchant's biggest risk when using mm-hmm. a payment processor. There is a lot of credit card or potential for credit card abuse. You know, people steal the numbers, steal the cards. Sure. Uh, on eBay, if you, uh, and, I mean, on PayPal, if you follow those steps, uh, when you're shipping an item to somebody, then in the case where the, there's a fraudulent chargeback or, or a chargeback because the card was not, and the terminology is it wasn't authorized for this transaction, the seller is not going to bear the responsibility. Mm-hmm. And that's a good thing. Yeah. 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 I want to talk a little bit about live auctions. Live auctions. Oh, yeah. I loved those. Yeah. Um, I miss them terribly. Yeah. So do we. Well, I, I was a collector. Yeah. Oh, I see. Um, as an auctioneer, I thought, wow, what a, what a great marriage um, this is to have this type of audience. I, I want to tell you a situation where eBay, the, the audience of eBay happened. I, I was working with Clark's Auction Gallery. Um, there was an unidentified painting um, people saw it in Italy and realized what it was. The painting from a three to five thousand dollar estimate went for six hundred thousand, mm. and that that wasn't through eBay, but it was the exposure on eBay that made the people get on the phone and call us. And that was a beautiful thing when people all over the world on eBay would see these items and they would contact us. The biggest question I can ask you today that it would be really nice to have an answer. From is why did eBay get out of the live auctions? Oh, I, I think I can answer it. Okay. Um, I, I think a lot of it was, there was a number of reasons. One of them was um, kind of a benign neglect. When the live auctions platform was first uh, conceived with a connection with eBay, and, you know, live auctions is a separate company, the, there, was a, there was a team managing, a guy named Mr. Troy uh, Rogelio. The actual take from overall from uh, the, the live auction platform on eBay was not big enough to actually uh, make any waves enough to get people interested. I know that's hard to believe, but it really wasn't a big player. Unfortunately, I think a lot of that was it wasn't marketed properly. And it was difficult to market because the experience, when you saw those little listings with the paddles, the, the experience for buyers, except if you were a, a collector, uh, who was actively looking for those little blue paddles? I was one of them. Mm-hmm. Was uh, was so unlike the eBay experience that it was confusing to new buyers who were coming in and saying, "Well, you know, I buy antiques, but I buy them here. Wait, this is different. I got to pay. I got to arrange for shipping. Uh, they don't take PayPal. None of them took PayPal at the time. Uh, I got to send them a check. I've got to be pre-approved." 
So for except for the hardcore or experienced collector market on eBay, there just wasn't enough of attraction of internet bidders in the beginning. I, this being said, I was an internally so distraught when I found that um, we were going to disconnect, uh, continue the connection because I think there's an enormous opportunity. I still think there is. Mm -hmm. uh, it just was proving to be really difficult to find a way to make it work on the eBay end. Um, today, I think revisiting it, if we ever decided to, uh, might actually be a little easier. There's a lot of this has changed. We've learned a lot about how, how that can be done. Uh, but I, I, that being said, i got to tell you right now, there's actually no plans that I know of to actually revisit that. Mm -hmm. um, but it was, it was a combination of that, a combination of the, it was not making a big enough impression in the numbers to actually garner some attraction and attention in spite of my constant bleeding mm -hmm. that we needed it, we needed it. Now, there, there, there was a, a pretty hefty commission charge, I believe, but it just was not enough, I guess, huh? Uh, no, I don't think it was. I don't think was the commission different. The yes. commission scale, I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, I think what was turning a lot of buyers off was there was every place charges a buyer's premium. That's right. And we actually found this to create tension amongst uh, sellers and primarily the categories and collectibles who said we want to charge a buyer's premium. And then we thought, whoa, no, no, they can't. That's not going to happen. Sorry. <laughs> so uh, it was uh, it was proven it was proving to be on the, on the details logistically really difficult to manage. And uh, to and to promote and market at the time, so it uh, seemed like it was growing and growing and growing as far as new auctioneers coming into it. It was. There were a lot of new auctioneers coming in, but the activity was not growing. They at the same rate, at least. So it was unfortunate. Uh, I can't give you specific numbers, not because I can't, but I don't have them. Yeah, sure. Uh, because I remember, I uh, it was about three years ago when the decision was made that we were going to. I remember it was going to. We we, we will let it run on its own. There was no one managing it anymore. The, uh, uh, so Roy had left. Everyone was gone. We were just going to uh, let it go on its own. Mm -hmm. And uh, the decision was made eventually we had, we'd have to shut it off because there, uh, there was no one to manage the resources. And I, I said, is there any way to save this? I mean, just as a matter of, of total self-interest, I occasionally <laughs> buy something from this. I think it's a great idea. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I remember going to San Rafael auction. Can I say oh, yes? Yeah. Oh yeah. So uh, and I think that was the, yeah that was the fall of 2006 or maybe it was in 2007, and they were using it and it was fascinating. Yeah. It was the first time I'd actually watched it from the auction house end. And oh, uh, did you do a story on that? I did a small story in the eBay collector's blog. I'd actually I gone. Actually, I bought a few things and uh, mm -hmm. and then did a small story about it. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it's cool. It's Bert's great. A nice guy. Yeah, he's a lovely guy. Yeah. We as as auctioneers, we were in a, a real panic. We thought it was the when when eBay decided December thirty first, two thousand eight or whatever. Yes, that was when it was. Yeah. When they said they were shutting it off, we I, I'm telling you, every auctioneer that I know was in a a sheer panic. Really? Oh yes. We thought it was the end of the world. But it wasn't though, right? <laughs> oh, live auctioneers have done a wonderful job. They've done a great job. And, yeah. and Artifact is in yeah. on, on it too. And there are a few there's iCollector and then there's uh, a few other um, places that are that are hosting. I think they've pretty much proven they can do it without eBay's help. They can, but you know, whereas eBay had the millions of people, yeah. you know, they have the hundreds of thousands, which is the difference that I saw in the change, now I worked in auction the next, the following month after eBay was gone. What I saw was instead of 600 people signing up at the auction, there was about 200. Yeah. But those 200 people bid almost the same amount of money as the 600. Yeah. So what it, 
I, I likened it, I've said this before, I likened it to being in, growing up in New England, having an auction in a snowstorm, the serious people get through. And that's the same way with the live auctions. The serious people will find a way to bid. Are you from New England? Yes. Really? Where? Um, I grew up in Maine and uh, lived in New Hampshire most of my adult life. Oh, so you know the Withingtons and you know all oh, those people. Yeah. Yeah. I used to go to Dick Withington auctions all the time before he died. Oh, my God. Now, Dick Withington, just while I'm, uh, for our listeners who do not know Dick Withington, he was an amazing Incredible. Auctioner. He had a memory where someone would walk in and he'd say, sold to John Doe over here. If you hadn't come to that auction for 15 years, he knew who you he were. He knew who you were, and he never, at, for a long time, he never had buyer numbers. Yeah. He would just point to you and say, sold to, to George Frank. Yeah, I, I learned a lot of those auctions, actually. Yeah. And there's nothing quite like a New England auction. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's what I grew up in. You know, this has been great. I want to I wanna end on something sort of fun. So, what has this not been fun? <laughs> this has no, been that bad. No, no. Okay. I want to add something fun for our listeners. All right. And that is, uh, I want to talk about things like the uh, grilled cheese sandwich that's sold. <laughs> right. <laughs> the uh, bane of my existence. Yeah. yeah. So, th- there's been some really crazy things. That, and what I'm going to ask you, first of all, Tell, quickly, let's tell the story about the grilled cheese sandwich. There's a woman, in, I think she was in Florida, this yeah. was uh, 2002 or 2003, who puts a, a, a listing up of a, it's an actual grilled cheese sandwich, if I remember correctly, yes. on a plate, and it, she claimed it had the, the burnt-in image of what she said was the Virgin Mary. At first, I couldn't see anything, and then when I could see something, I kept seeing Mae West. So for me, it was a totally different look. But it caught a lot of press interest, and it also caught the interest of a company called, um, oh, what was their name? Golden Palace. Golden Palace, which I believe at the time was an online uh, a company that did online gambling. And they were very oh, crafty, yes. so they started buying a lot of, they bought this item, and I think it was like 30000 plus. $28,000. 28000 um, and then created a museum for all this stuff. And it was, yeah. it was, a, it was, a, it was an interesting marketing idea because they ended up buying uh, several weird and unusual items that had come up on the market yeah. then. So besides the grilled cheese sandwich, what is some of the weird, weird things that stand out in your head that have gone through eBay? So there was the ghost cane, uh, <laughs> which was apparently a band. There was a great story that went about uh, the, uh, it was a ghost cane. It was the, I think it was his, her, the woman's, the seller grandfather, and it was, there was a story about a little boy, and I can't remember it all. There was the, the ghost in a jar. That was a big one. Ghost in a and, jar? And, and all of the... Did someone buy the ghost? Well, I don't remember if someone bought it. Eventually, we had to kind of make them, you know, you couldn't sell them because you're not really selling anything. But it, it was ghost in a jar, and uh, that caught a lot of press interest. And then a, whenever there's press interest, there's a lot of copycats. So if you can imagine yeah. that after the grilled cheese sandwich sold, oh, yes. suddenly grilled cheese, you know, food was coming out of the woodwork that had everyone from Jimmy Durante to, you know... <laughs> Nostradamus on it. Oh, look! I, I myself was sitting grilling cheese, you know, grilled cheese sandwiches all day, and I just to try to get the image. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the other ones that I remember, well, there's the famous ones. The, you know, the kidney. Someone's claiming they were selling their kidney, which is illegal. Yeah, but that caught a lot of press. Uh, and they I didn't. They, that was taken off. Of you. Yeah, that was taken off. But yeah. a lot of people then tried to, you know, duplicate yeah. it because you get, you know, everyone wants a little attention. Yeah, it was a great way back then to get some pretty good press attention. Mm-hmm. The other one was uh, the. I don't remember who the first kid who sold his virginity on eBay. <laughs> 
And of course, the mail was being <laughs> well. I don't. I think it was a mail, but the problem was that you know how do you verify that? Yeah. So, uh, there was uh, oh, there was so many of these. There was probably the most famous one of of its day, uh, and it kind of started out of nowhere. Was this guy in uh, in the Pacific Northwest who puts up a listing of his ex wife's wedding dress? And he's he's photographed wearing the dress because his wife is in it. Well, it's yeah. his ex. Yeah. You know? Okay. But it, what was interesting was the story that went along with it was hysterically funny. Uh, and the, there were the pictures, and he could barely fit in this. He was a big, burly, hairy guy. Oh my god! And that story took off. This guy became famous overnight, and he was on all the national networks. Oh, what a world! It was 2004, yeah. so it was the same year as eBay Live in New Orleans. Uh-huh. And that was a huge story. He ended up coming and modeling the dress at eBay Live. That was that was probably one of the biggest stories. I think. I think it was also the listing that uh, to to date at its time received the most hits. By the time the listing expired, it had over twenty three million hits. Oh my God! Is yeah. that that has to be a record? I, I don't know because I don't yeah. keep track. But for hits, that's definitely unusual. That's like a YouTube video, right? Right. So, I mean, you know, a famous YouTube video. So. Yeah. Yeah, it was a big deal. Uh, what is the most expensive item that you're aware of? It, I think the record is still held by the Gulfstream jet that sold early on in this, uh, in like the early 2000s, 2001, for wow. five point something million dollars. And wow. uh, we verified that it was an actual sale. It was an actual yeah. sale. Wow. Yeah. We just had a sale of a a Ferrari Spider for three point two million. Really? And that's an actual sale as well. That was just last month. So. Wow. Um, I get a list of the sales that happen every day, the, the most notable uh-huh. ones from the database. Uh, and cars and, and business machinery are the high-ticket items. There's a lot of business machinery that sells on eBay, mm-hmm. like John Deere tractors or earth movers. Yeah. And those tend to be very expensive. But I'll always look for those unusual ones, and $3.2 million stuck out. Now, speaking of cars, cars is a big, eBay Motors is a big deal now. Yes, it's changed over the years, but yes, still, yeah, it's more and parts uh, and accessories are now the bigger business. So, and I was talking in our first session about how people have, a lot of people have quit their jobs and you know relied sure. on eBay, but a lot of people have built a business out of shipping cars because of eBay. I've heard. Yeah, uh, there's been dealers made primarily people who were interested in classic cars, for example, mm-hmm. who then turned that into a business. Uh, there are people who have made businesses out of parts and accessories, as I mentioned earlier. Um, actually, pr- fits the eBay model really well, and mm-hmm. we've built a, a platform for that that makes it easy to list a part or accessory and have a buyer be able to find it. The big thing with parts and accessories is they're not just for one car. Usually, they're you know compatible with so many different makes. It's called a fitment, and uh, we now have a platform that supports that. So that's that's good for that. Uh, just added tires to it, so there's a tire finder. But yeah, people, when you build something that reduces the friction, it helps build businesses. People who are interested in perhaps that particular field suddenly discover that they can start buying and selling and making a business out of it. Yeah. Well, I said I was going to end on something fun. This is still fun. Yeah, it's but, fun. I'm uh, having a ball. Yeah, yeah. good. <laughs> um, let's just, just shoot 10 years into the future. What do you think eBay's going to be like then? Uh, 10 years into the future. That's a lifetime for uh, Internet, isn't it? Yeah, assuming I'm alive. uh, (laughs) Suddenly, this is not so much fun. (laughs) Uh, What do I see in the future? Uh, You know, Martin, it's a great question, and I've got to be honest with you, I've never been good at predicting. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I would have never predicted where we are today, 10 years ago. I, mm-hmm. I just, I, I can't imagine. I would think that there are still areas of friction which the eBay and e-commerce in general will continue to look for ways of, of um, eliminating. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, still, I think, I think the big challenge in the coming years is going to be delivery times. Buyers become more demanding. Mm-hmm. Right now, they get great selection. Yeah. And, uh, you know, in the beginning, they realize, well, you got to pay for shipping. Now they're not so willing to pay for shipping. They want the lowest shipping deals as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're saying, well, I can get it online, but I may have to wait a week. And now they're saying, no, I want it as soon as possible. Yeah. And I can, I can envision maybe before even 10 years are out where bu- the buyers are pushing the marketplace to develop ways to get product to them within a very short period of time. Yeah. Well, it's an instant gratification society. So it takes me five minutes to get to the safe way to buy groceries. <laughs> I want that same. I want that groceries to come to me when I click on them in five minutes. <laughs> and that'll happen someday. If, the, yeah. if if somebody can figure out a way to do it, yeah, and somebody will, yes, it'll make a big maybe easy will. You never know. <laughs> well, this has been great. Thanks, Martin. All right. So this is Martin Willis with Griff, and we're signing off. off. Hello again. While you are on our website, antiqueauctionforum.com, please stop by the forum message board. Click on the Community tab at the top of the menu bar, and you can join in on a topic, post your own website links, and do a lot more. Thanks so much for listening, and we hope you enjoyed today's show.